When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Very good day, everyone, and welcome to another episode of On the Turnbuckle on whatever Tony's website he's using is. Um, that's drawing him some money, and we'll talk about that later. Uh, I'm joined by my, oh, my name's Welshie, and I'm joined by Lyle. Welcome, Lyle. Ah, how you going, mate? I was going to steal your very good day line when you introduced me, but you, uh, you got, it, got it in there yourself. Well played. Uh, why are you introducing the show? Well, where's Tony? Look, I don't think we've done a show in three or four weeks. Um, well, you haven't done one in a long time. It has. It you were has, on our last one. No, it was a great, great interview with Davis Storm. Um, you know, um, yeah. Storm Trooper? Yeah. Well, I, can't, I just can't imagine. I've, I've followed him a little bit on social media. He's gone to LA uh, in America on a family trip. Imagine, like, that's a rough flight as it is, 14 hours to LA from Australia. Or from Perth, I don't even know what it would be. Crazy travel day anyway. Wearing that neck harness, that would be brutal. But could be worse. You could have been the person who had to sit next to Davis Storm the whole way there because I reckon <laughs> he would have talked the whole way. <laughs> he would have missed the positivity. He would have, yeah, he's taken it all in stride. Good on him. I uh, know, but great interview uh, by you guys. Uh, yeah. Sorry. And I, bros, uh, thanks, for, uh, thanks for that last week, bros, Avard. Of yeah, thanks, uh, Chat Flicks for helping us out. Um, I want to mention there's been um, uh, very sad news coming out of Western Australia with Perth wrestler Roxy Wright passing away from an illness. Um, there is a GoFundMe going around. There's a link on our um, Facebook page. If you can afford to donate a couple of bucks, donate a couple of bucks. If you can't afford to, share the post, get it going around. It's the least you can do. Um, she's got a couple of kids and um, and a husband who, um, you know, could do with a bit of support during a tough time. I believe if you're in WA, there will be a tribute show. So stay tuned uh, for more information on that. Yeah. And check our socials as well. There's also um, an article that was written about Roxy, I think it's 2018, 2019. Yeah, good article. Yeah, really good. I read it earlier today, uh, abc.net. Dot au, you know, intergender wrestling and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it was really good. Um, yeah, it's it's always sad when someone from the you know wrestling fraternity passes on. So yeah, condolences out to uh, all the family. I mean, obviously as well, uh, Shaky Baby passed away. Yeah, yeah, I did notice he did. You know, was it a day and a half before he passed away? He got one last fuck you, Hogan. So um, yeah, I think Shaky might be going to heaven and. Hogan won't be meeting him in heaven when he eventually passes away. But uh, I'm not sure so, any of them are going to heaven. But no, nah, probably not. No, nah, to be fair, um, you know, it's, he's a, he's a, been a bit of a uh, 
social media icon for a newer generation. Um, you know, we probably remember the, the breaking chemical. backs, making people humble. Yeah, you know, the fuck are you, Hogan, uh, all that stuff. Um, you know, the documentary from a few years ago that came out, which was you know, yeah, sad very good. In, yeah, sad in some ways, um, but very you know, he good. Like he, you know, he was always having fun when he was at conventions and stuff like that. Um, seemed well loved as well by the wrestling community, sharing stories of Shaky Baby. So yeah. Now we got a the big announcement this week with PCW and MCW academies and schools merging, and we're lucky enough to have representatives from the Pro Wrestling Academy joining us today. So, Lyle, we are joined by it was exciting things we've heard about PCW and MCW's schools and academies coming together, and we've always been calling out for Melbourne Wrestling to, you know, work together more and. This is a great example of it. And we're lucky enough to be joined by Jay Andrews of the formerly Melbourne City Wrestling Academy and Shane Tricky, Tricky, who we've been trying to get for six years um, <laughs> from PCW. Thanks for joining us, guys. Good to be Pleasure here. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for having us. First question, has hell frozen over? No, it hasn't. But the first thing I'd like to say is, yeah, you have been chasing me for a little bit of time. I, I must have missed the messages or something like that along the way. But I would like to compliment you guys for um, the work that you do put in with the uh, the sport of professional wrestling without having voices like yourselves to um, to even just help promote like us here at the Wrestling Academy. Um, it, it just it's it's something that I think is is maybe not spoken about enough. So it it does go noticed and and we definitely do appreciate the work that that you do. And it is exciting for us to um, establish something like the Wrestling Academy, where, like you said, uh, we can come together, we can make it happen, we can also work with people like yourselves, and um, again, make it happen. I can answer the hell frozen over question if you want. If, if you, yes. the, way you, the way the way you phrased it, obviously, there's this stigma in in the business that people believe. I think there's a lot of things that people believe that actually aren't true. That's what I'll say. Um, as being someone that's been around the business like Shane for a long time, for me, I was trying to think back to when I came, I think it was 2001. I'm not good with times. So it's a long time, just over 20 years being around wrestling. The the fact of the matter is, you know, I'll, I'll break the stigma for you now in the hell frozen over um, analogy that you made. As far as PCW and MCW go, there's been a long working relationship there, even before uh, uh, I took over the business as one of the owners. Um, but of recent years, um, between us, we've really established more of a partnership um, over the last few years, particularly. You know, we've met together, we've talked about things, we've done a lot of joint projects behind the scenes with, you know, Fusion and Slam and trying out each other's talents and seeing how things go. And that sort of culminated to where we are today. But aside from that, even with other people in the business, let's say your Chris Freshers, your Mikey Jays, people within Victorian scene, some of my, I'm friends with those people, you know, <laughs> there is no hell frozen over. It's It, it really isn't as, as what people think it is. You know, I, I, I still talk to them and I still go to dinner with them and stuff. So it's just, it, it's that, that aside, the Wrestling Academy, it's really a natural progression for our relationship and something we've been working towards actually for a, a very long time, uh, for a few years since 
we started um, talking more seriously um, when we took over the business, Rowan and I, um, um, with talking to Shane and, and Steve and all the people down at Seek about finding a place, finding finding what the best pathway is for a budding or an established wrestler to get the most exposure uh, to different levels of professional wrestling training, um, people who understand and have the knowledge in the business, um, and also from a performance level because, you know, um, Seek has a very great facility and they run regular shows. We run different uh, kind of a touring show at Thornbury. It's still, even though we run there, it's it's very much bump in, bump out style stuff. It's very different, different exposure for the talent and the people working in the business. Um, and to bring those two things together and the style of show that we run, which is also different to BCW, um, is it seems like a no-brainer to to help people within the industry, particularly in Victoria. And we're more we're stronger together in that regard than we are apart. Um, and yeah, I, I, it's just it was just a matter. Of, we have for the differences that we have, and we all have differences when it comes to wrestling. You know, we all have opinions about how things should be. Our 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 commonalities are more than our differences, um, and that's where we find the common ground, and we're able to work together because we've got the best thing for the business and the industry in mind first above ourselves and, and what we want and what we think is right. Yeah. And from my point of view, and I think from Jay's point of view as well, it's passion. Yeah. Passion for this. Yeah. You can hear, you can hear that coming through. I, what I've noticed as a wrestling fan more recent times is the sharing of talent, which, you know, yeah, we enjoy the behind the scenes stuff as wrestling fans, but the sharing of talent is just better for the punter on a Saturday night or a Friday night, depending on the show, you know, getting new... Can I point something out to you though? Yeah. Pre-COVID, PCW was running shows on Friday night and Saturday night every single week. Yeah. Our trainees were satisfied because they were getting literally, I guess you would say work per se, uh, matches every Friday and every Saturday consistently. So there wasn't really the demand for the trainees to go out and go and get their own bookings. So it wasn't necessarily a case of they couldn't work elsewhere. For the most part, they were pretty satisfied because they were getting their, their matches, having storylines, they were getting uh, video, et cetera, of their matches. But then the post-COVID world, things changed dramatically because we had an opportunity to kind of reevaluate and say, wait a second, we're burning the candle at both ends. Doing shows every Friday, every Saturday sounds insane in the world right now. And we really need to put a lot more focus on developing talent for an actual show structure, which we'll probably get into a little bit later and our actual ignition talent. So our senior talent to make sure that the show is a lot more perfected as well. And I think um, overall, we're seeing great results with that as well, but it is important note that I don't think a lot of people thought about um, until sort of looking at a post COVID world. Now there's less shows happening at PCW at Seek. Um, our talent is more widely available to wrestle elsewhere. And they're actually open to looking uh, to put their resumes out there. And we're happy to call around and say, Hey, you know, this, this guy's available. He wants to wrestle. So um yeah, I guess, I guess everyone wins in that sense as well, because even the, the local scene does get exposed to more of, um, I guess you would say, PCW talent, speaking for ourselves, you know, not so I much. Always, yeah. I always loved the idea that PCW gave wrestlers a lot of rep repetitions in the ring. It was a, a real strength. It's always been a real strength of what you do. Still do, uh, by the way, just to clarify. <laughs> what you do, yep. Um, what I am noticing, though, with a lot of guys and girls we can't um we can't not talk about asia um 
going out and working MCW, working Renegades, working Wrestle Rock, uh, is the opportunity to work in front of diverse crowds. Do you, do you see extra growth from people uh, with that happening? I I do. I mean, I know myself when I was a wrestler um, many eons ago. Um, now it feels like, um, and not a good one either. Um, <laughs> uh, that that working in different states, particularly, um, was was very interesting. Um, and and you know, it's the the worst thing you can do is be in a bubble. You know, and because a crowd can come become conditioned to you, and sometimes they can play along and not be invested. And you need to understand the differences as a talent when you're doing that, whether they're actually just playing along or they're actually they actually care about you or hate you or whatever it might be. So I think that exposure to those different crowds, whether it be in Australia, because they are very different, even from suburb to suburb, um, um, or, or or venue to venue, let's say, or even overseas, um, it is important. For, for, for that to happen, um, um, to, for them to get that exposure. But again, like I, I think I'll want to touch on what Tricky said. I, there's never been, again, it's one of those stigmas. There's never been a directive that I'm aware of from either of us where we've said you can't go and work other places. I guess I guess the thing is that particularly, with, I know I can speak for me, I'm very honest. And if someone comes up to me and asks me about what I think about another promotion, I'm going to tell them what I think and not but i'm going to leave the decision up to them to go and work there if they want to work there my thing is you know that i say to a lot of people a lot of younger people is they talk to me about experience and i, and I say yeah you do want experience but do you want a bad experience or a good experience and a lot of people don't think about that they go i just want an ex i just want experience would you want to go somewhere and get a bad like that's not a really good goal to have you know do your research talk to people that you know find out what's going on there watch the show you know, do your research and, and if it's somewhere that you feel that you would benefit from, not just from getting in-ring experience, but the whole package, then go and do it um, and, and experience that. But yeah, I think that that's not talked about enough. Do, do you want yeah. a good experience or a bad experience? Because there's lots of bad experiences that you can have if you go to the wrong place, just searching for quote unquote experience. Yeah, and I think the I second second Jay on that as well, just quickly. Um, I think Jay and I, like as coaches as well, we're very battle tested. Like we, we've done the promotions that might be a bit more rogue and then we've done promotions that are quality. And so we understand the difference and we want to guide our talent accordingly, maybe to, to learn from maybe mistakes we've made or experiences Absolutely. we've had. And um, so that way we don't, we want to make sure the talent are getting quality bookings and, and being, I guess, more so looked after than not. Um, but in saying that as well, uh, some people, some people do enjoy baptism by fire. So it's, um, you know, to each their own. Um, but also just, just the flip side as well, thinking the other, the other side, because I've experienced both sides as well, wrestling around and obviously wrestling, um, at PCW solely at PCW. Look, the one thing I would say doing the consistent shows in front of the, um, the regular audience as well, whether it be a regular audience or whether it's, um, people that come and go, would just say the same building for now, um, is your, I believe you're constantly challenged because, the, the audience are your greatest judges. And that's what's kept me going as a wrestler is they will tell me if they don't like me, but might just not reacting or being like, all right, that's old, move on. Like, so I'm, I don't know if you've noticed over the years, but anyway, I'm constantly sort of redeveloping myself, um, whether it's my persona, whether it's my performance, whether it's my attire. And that is driven by wanting to keep my character fresh for my audience as well. So that way they won't get sick of me. 
because over the years I have seen performers who uh, they they have a look, they have a catchphrase, have a persona, and they don't change it. And then to be fair, the act starts to get a bit stale. But then all of a sudden, it's it's not the act that's the problem; it's the way they are being utilized. And it's like, well, wait, do you have social media? Yes. Are you, are you not happy with the way that you're getting put on social media? Are you not happy that you're not getting put on posters? Are you not on the shows? Like, what's the issue here? Because at the end of the day, it, it's going to come down to you, the performer, to make sure you are putting on the performance for that audience. And if if they're not reacting, you got to start listening to them because they'll let you know they are the greatest judges of all. You know, and that, that's 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 my bottom line. You know, and that's that's what works for me. That's fair. No matter where really you go, you got to learn how to you got to learn how to get over, and that's really what it is. Yeah. No matter where you go and what happens, you've got to stay fresh. If you get stagnant, you die. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's okay. two different yeah. challenges, like the challenge of getting over, which I think you'll yeah. learn from moving around, and then there's the challenge of staying over, which is arguably more difficult, which you'll get by working in the same place for a long period of time. And you're not going to stay over. Like that's that's the reality. Like like it's all about it rides in waves. You know, you, you ride it. You're at the highest point. You're like, cool, I'm on fire. That's now going to start to come down, and then you know, it, it you got to start again. But that's, that's part of the fun next. for me. Yeah, that's a that's a good thing though. You don't want to be up all the time. It's it's you can't be. Yeah, it's not good for you. Yeah. Now, now with you guys being you know a lot of experience being workers and now trainers, what do you or did you enjoy more? Like the spotlight being on you when you were the performer, or when you see the crowd going nuts, positively or negatively for a heel with the uh, trainees that you've helped along the way, what do you get more satisfaction out of? Um, I am pretty much naturally an introvert, like believe it or not. I, I absolutely am. I mean, I, you don't see much of me uh, anywhere, <laughs> really. I mean, you don't. I mean, that's by design because I just, it's not my nature. So I, I don't think if I had to weigh up the two together, I do enjoy performing, but for very different reasons than maybe most people do. I think a lot of wrestlers enjoy performing because of the dopamine hit that it gets them and how that makes them feel. And that's fine. And that's good. If you can control that, that urge, you know, it, that's, that's the true mark of a great performer. But I think for me, I like at the moment, you know, I can think of a few people that I've really enjoyed that I've worked with uh, on a level of private, you know, let's say like privately, not, not in a class structure, Someone like a Mitch Waterman or or even Edward Dusk recently. I've done a lot of work with with Brody um, and and Mitch. Um, seeing them, and even with the show, seeing seeing something planned and then executed, um, and then then them executed in a way that is what you've envisioned, but uh, adding in their their version of it and and making it their own. Um, I get a tremendous satisfaction out of that. Um, and that, to me, it wouldn't matter if it was for us or for PCW or for, for any business or any promotion or WWE, wherever it might be. I mean, it, didn't, it wouldn't matter. As long as they were uniquely performing and uh, emoting and living that moment and, be, and and creating those moments and being in those moments, that's super gratifying for me to see that. Um, I think that, for me, is the best thing rather than I, 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 rather than performing. I don't miss performing at all. Not at all. Not not one little bit. 
to answer that question, it's almost like I'd have to go back to the start of like where it all happened for me to kind of like truly understand how I've gotten to the point where I'm at in wrestling. But I've got a philosophy that I look at because um, I still wrestle. I still wrestle regularly as well. So I coach, I wrestle. Um, but look, there's a couple of things. The first thing is I've got this opinion that I've never heard anyone else say. So I'm going to, I'm going to coin it. When yeah. you go to a wrestling show, are the audience there to watch the wrestlers or are the wrestlers there to watch the audience? Because that's what I think about. When I go out there, I watch the audience. The, the audience are watching me, but I'm watching them. Are they reacting to certain things? If I move this way, are they going to react in a way I want them to? You know, so that's kind of like a philosophy that I've, I've come with. And, and it's a constant challenge. So that's the sport. That's the sport for me. That's what makes it real is getting real emotion out of people and finding ways to do that. Now, how do I translate that from me as an individual wrestler to other people who they come in for the first time, they're excited, they want to be a wrestler. And some guys, to their credit, you can put them in a pair of tights, you can put them on a post and you think that's a wrestler and you see them in the ring and they're not very good, you know, because it, 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 there's so many elements to getting this right. Um, but again, to sort of, understand what it takes almost going like back to, to my coaches jay made a made a comment before he said um 2001 he thinks it was roughly around the I time. So. and i remember specifically being in a class with jay andrews at, at the pcw powerhouse um in Le leslie street dandenong spike still was the coach and he was doing um chain chain wrestling with us and i remember i was training with jay i was learning chain for the first another another phrase i like to coin is the lock family Waist lock, hammer lock, master lock, uh, front face lock, right? They're the common chain locks that you'll put together when you're first learning how to wrestle. And I remember learning all this from Spike as well, including running the ropes as well. And that was that was definitely 2001. Um, but the whole point of coaching, doesn't matter who the coaches I've ever worked with, for the most part, the coaches, particularly on a grassroots level, they also wrestle, including myself. The coach, call, call, call me selfish right? But think of it from this point of view. If I can coach someone to be better, that means I've got someone better to wrestle. If I'm on a show with better wrestlers, we draw bigger crowds because the show is better. I benefit from that through other people and other people benefit because I've helped pass that knowledge on. That's how wrestling works. That's how it's always worked. From Spike, who was one of the best rookie performers going to today for, for anyone, you know, Castone, as an example for us, previously Mark Cage, Lucas Daniels, these guys, Ryan Rapid. Um, but they want to pass knowledge on because they want to work with guys who have as much passion as them and want the final result, a good show all around the board. Yeah, I think I think you touched on something really good there. And I think it's, I know that I had to come to grips with this because, it, you know, you learn a lot as you go. And it's a very, this is a very ego-driven business. You know, you've got to have one, but you've got to learn how to live with it and keep it in check. When I was first coaching, uh, which would have been in PWA, original PWA um, with Lobo, um, and I started coaching there in Bayswater when I was teaching. So you can blame me for Gino Gambino because um, I brought him. Um, <laughs> Thank so, you for Gino so, Gambino. <laughs> so, so I remember having a moment because I was still very active then, um, and I remember having a moment, and I don't know if you've had this, um, Shane, because we've never talked about it, obviously, but... I had a moment where I sat there and went, oh, this person's getting better than me. Do I hold back? Do I, what do I do here? And 
I guarantee you, coaches won't say it, but they all get to that point where they go, oh, at the very early stages of coaching. And then you've got to make a decision that you're going to go, yes, I'm going to show them everything and allow that to happen and build the business because that's what's right. And I need to follow that. And I need to think of the, the business first or I need to leave coaching. <laughs> that's, and that's literally, I had that moment. I remember distinctively having that moment going, you know, do I show them everything? And then I sat there in that moment going, if I don't, then I need to leave, you know? And I think that's, and, 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 and Tricky's saying the same thing, just in a different way. That's, that's something that we've, because we've been through that process, we understand that what our role is as a coach um, and we can sort of wear many hats. And obviously I'm a promoter and I work in a creative space when it comes to MCW. And I tell um, people that come through the business from the academy side of things, I'll, as a trainer, as a coach, I will help you and develop you and I'm in your corner and I'll believe in you more than you believe in yourself. When you want to quit, I'll tell you, you're not going to quit. You've got to keep moving. And that's what we do. But as a, but you've got to understand when I put my promoter hat on or my creative hat on, it's a different person. So you have to be able to, if, you, if you're doing that, whether you're an active wrestler, you're doing very different roles at, in the moment. And you just, it's, it's about being professional within that space and doing that. Um, and when you're a coach, obviously you have to devote as much as you can to the person as possible. But that comes with um, pats on the head, but sometimes smacks on the bum. Because sometimes a lot of people don't believe in themselves when it gets to the point where things get hard. But any and wrestling is a very hard thing to do. It's very hard on lots of levels, and it should be. Um, otherwise, everyone would do it. That's where you've got to push people to to show them they can they can work beyond their station, so they can be better. They can be the best version of themselves they can be. And that's my promise as a coach to everybody. I'm going to make you the best version of what you can be, even when you believe you can't do it. I'm going to make sure that you remember that that's why we're here. A lot of uh, guys and girls get into wrestling and they want to learn all the moves and all the flips and all that sort of stuff. I'm sure you encounter it all the time, especially with the with people rocking up for their first week or two weeks of training. Um, how do you help a wrestler go from learning the moves to starting to think more deeply about performance? I, when someone comes in for the first time, I've actually got a funny example. <clears throat> there was a kid called Broderick who came down to um, to training. This is in the days when Laser was actually a coach. Um, Laser recently, he, he was a cruiserweight legend at PCW, um, very early 2000s, and he recently did our Royal Rumble as well. But um, And we're actually talking about this. That's why this story is relevant in my head. There was this kid, Broderick, and he was a little kid. He turned around, oh, when are we going to learn cool stuff like pedigrees and power bombs? And he said... And, and Laser said to him, oh, look, man, if you want to make it in the business, you got to learn this, this lower end stuff first, you know, the rolls and bumps. And, you know, he, he, he did learn it and he was right from that point of view. But then, you know, this kid, he, you couldn't keep him away from the top rope. He ended up becoming an Australian suicide. triple a icon australian it's the best (laughs) luchador (laughs) ever um so that was that was always that was always funny laser does remember that but um there's obviously a development process and i i go back to thinking about like my coaches as well i remember so a couple of coaches to to just mention jungle cat and skyhawk um when pwa established Ken wanted to bring in some experienced guys to teach younger developing talents, such as myself and Daniel Swagger, like how to kind of put it together because we were learning moves, but we didn't have anyone who per se was a coach. He would bring in George Julio 
And George Julie was really good with fundamentals. He taught us our fundamentals really well. Ken would go out of his way to and drive. swear. Now we're going to get to that in a moment. <laughs> Because I'd never met an older gentleman with, with such colorful language until I met George Julio. And this is really important because this is going to lead into something I'm going to say a bit later. But it was, it was a bit of a shock to our system because it's like, oh, my God, we, it, was, it was so awesome. Like we were kids. We thought it was hilarious. But at the same time, we were learning. It was really, really fun. So we got the fundamentals from like we had a base, but he kind of helped us bring our fundamentals together and pace things together. But we really needed guys to sit down with us and like actually break down matches. That's where Jungle Cat and Skyhawk came in. They were the first guys who really watched our matches and said, okay, you're doing this, try this. And, and, and it, was, it was really that foundation. Now, it doesn't really change as we've gotten older, like as I've gotten older, that hasn't really changed. You need someone to sit down with you and break down your matches. And that will come with time. It won't come automatically, but I can only speak for myself. So... When I, when I built up enough confidence with Daniel Swag, we decided to travel to OVW uh, in 2007. We got coached under Rip Rogers. We actually, we were there for a year. We're in, uh, we're in Kentucky, between Kentucky, Calgary, and, and Florida. Um, when I walked into the Davis Arena for the first time, just a quick side story, um, I walked into the Davis Arena and I had my video camera well before mobile phone cameras. I had a physical video camera in my hand. And I remember panning around, right, the Davis Arena. And I sent that video to Steve, who um, is the main director of PCW. And I said, man, how do we build this at home? My mentality the whole time wasn't, how do I get signed to stay here? How do we do something that hasn't been done back home? Right. So that already was my mentality. I met Danny Davis. I met his wife, uh, I believe Julia, and uh, Julie. And she then introduced us to Rick Rogers. And they, they said to us, they said, look, we're going to give you a warning. Um, you've probably never met someone like Rip before in your entire life. I'm like, oh, well, what do you mean? Oh, look, he, he's, his language is pretty full on and um, he's very old school. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, we don't know. He comes in, F and S and C, every kind of word you can think of. And went, oh my God, it's, it's American George Julio. <laughs> <laughs> and we hit it off with Rip. We really, like, it was, it was such a good experience. And it made me realize, because we came from the PSW system which i guess charlie and, and and charlie skyhawk and and matt jungle cat kind of put together and it was a really good base to realize okay this is the world-class facility and i think batista goes into it in his autobiography on on how kind of shocking the davis arena was in the sense of this is a yeah you know, billion dollar company he's expecting nfl style facilities and he's kind of getting a you know a really nice you know wrestling center in the middle of kentucky so i guess that's where they're at NXT today and have established all that. Um, that's a whole other story I could go into as well, but we'll just keep it as this for now. Um, but yeah, with Rip, he would really kind of, he, he, well, he'd rip into you, as in if you didn't like what he saw, he, he wasn't afraid to tell you. Um, but just, a, I guess, while we're on Rip, just a quick fun story. This is like a really fun story. There was a battle royal. It was called the High Intensity Battle Royal, right? So the winners, it was a tag team battle royal as well. The winners got the title shot. Okay. So this, everyone's like, okay, cool. You know, the entrance music plays, the entire roster walk out and people start walking around the ring. And next thing, like people have started entering the ring. They're filming this for local television. Rip comes from backstage and physically starts hitting the wrestlers. I said F and high intensity. What is this garbage? 
boom, boom. He sends everyone backstage. The audience on hand start cracking up laughing. I don't know if this is the first time they've seen it or they're like, oh, he's at it again. He gets backstage <laughs> and he rips into everyone. I said, high intensity. What was that? And he looks at the biggest guy. This dude is huge. Like Vladimir Kozlov was the largest person I've ever seen live. This guy wasn't too far off Vladimir Kozlov. And he looks at me and says, and you, you're the worst of the bunch of them. Look at you. You're a disgrace. This guy started getting tears in his eyes. Then he claps his hands. All right, let's go high intensity. And the, the whole roster run out for this battle royal. And everyone's up and they're swinging. Everyone's getting potatoed and smashing. It was awesome. It was so good. Um, but like to answer your query, like I said, I'd almost have to go back to start to like get to where we're at because it doesn't come overnight. It's like literally not, it starts with learning how to do your rolls, do your break falls. And then it's learning a move here, learning a move there. Then it's putting it together in a sequence and then it's getting feedback and then getting a training match, building up confidence to have a match in front of a crowd. That's our slam shows, building up the confidence and building up a good storyline to the point where you're now a performer. Now we need to give you, now we need to get you on a real show. You've done the feuds. You've had some matches. Let's get you on ignition. Let's get you in the seniors. And that's where as a performer, when someone starts wrestling on ignition, we notice a genuine trend where the entire industry starts going, oh man, we need to start using that guy on our shows. And that's where I guess the love gets spread around in terms of bookings. And that's what's also exciting about the Wrestling Academy is it's very clear now, if you're, a, we train people to be wrestlers. If you want to learn to be a wrestler, a good wrestler with a quality development system, we provide that. We, we, have, a path, we, have, we have a pathway that stretches further than any other place, you know, from, from slam to Thornbury, you know, and, and beyond and, and ignition and everything. So yeah. Look at Buddy. Look at where yeah, Buddy Matthews yeah, is. Yeah, at. exactly. You know, and he's been the, the amount of people that have been through the MCW PCW system. Uh, you'd be shocked if you actually started putting the names down, you know, it'd be like 75% of Victorian wrestlers have gone through that system, including me. I started there, obviously, you know, and a lot of uh, something that people, a lot of people don't know. But and you know, Tanil like, just got engaged this week as well, which is well, important. Yeah. Right? Congratulations, yeah, yeah. Tanil. <laughs> yes. Um, so, well, I just want to touch on one thing. Sorry, um, we're dominating this call. Um, you know, but art, right? I, I, I see professional wrestling as an art. I, I'm a little bit of a airy fairy person when it comes to performance, let's say. But the, and I was having this conversation with a train, uh, uh, like a trainee would be wrestler the other day around how to transition, exactly what you're saying, how to transition sort of from the moves to that understanding of psychology as it would be called or how to perform. Um, and even, even to the point where people sometimes really struggle with the concept of character in their brain versus how that physically trans, transcends into their performance. And as, you have to make concessions because some people go, I want to do this. They go and do it. They can't, they can't do it for shit, you know, and they suck at it. And you're like, you got to change that. You know what I mean? Because it doesn't suit what you want. But I guess what I'm saying is art, proper art, it's in the nuance, right? If you want, if good art is nuance. So in the nuance is where the brilliance is. If you want to be a good wrestler, you can learn a bunch of moves. You can learn what, uh, you know, a start of a match is, a shine is, and whatever, you know, like from a sequence point of view. But that just makes you a weekend warrior and playing wrestler. If you want to be great, then you understand the nuance and the in-betweens and how your movement affects an audience and what you say and what you do and, and, and what that does. And not just that, I guess the one big thing I like to talk about with our people is 
the action and reaction of what you do. Because when I'm in a ring, I know what I enjoyed the most, particularly when I got towards the end of my career, was people would come up to me and go, I want to plan this, I want to do that. And I go, look, man, five things. I'll talk about those. The rest of it, we're just going to see what happens. You know what I mean? Like, honestly, I distinctly remember, and it was a conversation I had with um with Steve, um, one of the directors of PCW. I wrestled on a um, Warzone show many years ago um, uh, with a tag team with Mike Burrs, Hardware Inc. versus Dowie James and um, Enforcer, which I hold Enforcer very dear because he, he he helped train me as well. I'm sure he had some exposure to you as, as well, Shane. But that match, what we did and what we what we started with, completely changed because of the audience. And I thought, to me, that's very thrilling. You know, like not knowing what you're going to do and going out there and doing it and changing it up based off what's going on. Sometimes I think wrestlers, would-be wrestlers particularly, forget that the the excitement of not knowing uh, and performing is 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 great, but it also leads you to more organic moments, which is what capture which which is what captivates an audience. Most of the people that you would think are the best wrestlers in the country, and I'll put one in there who's an MCW staple, which is Slex, um, really just works off what's going on in the moment. He's doing it on in the moment and deciding what works. And then he picks up tidbits of what works, and then he adds that to his tool belt. But in the moment, if that thing doesn't work, he changes it on the fly. And you guys, and you guys go with it, right? And that's, to me, what makes him great. And if you want... That transition from good to great takes a lot of time, a lot of reps, and a lot of pain and suffering and a lot of failures to get there. But when you do, you actually start really enjoying wrestling because it becomes this thing where um, you, you don't know what's going to happen uh, and the unknown becomes, so, it just becomes so exciting and freeing. You can do whatever you want out there and people just react and it feels good. You're out of your head and you're living in the moment. And to me, that's what makes it art and it's in the nuance. Now, you spoke earlier about um, the two different hats, the promoter hat and the trainer hat. Sure. And one time where I can see where those two things could put you in conflict, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, I know that what you've said just ends what I love. I love when a wrestler feels the crowd and they may switch who's playing heel, who's playing babyface, that sort of thing. To me, you're not a wrestler if you can't do that, to me. But what happens yeah. <laughs> in the occasion where the promoter wants you to tell a long-term story? and the crowd aren't going with it. I guess I, I need more context for that. I mean, like... So just say, for example, someone's wrestling as the heel, someone's wrestling as the baby face. Sure. And the crowd are cheering the heel over and over again. But the long-term storyline is for that heel to be a dominant heel and maybe control a territory or something like that. Change it. I yeah, was about to know, say, yeah, I was beautiful. about to say, that's where, like, Change guys, <laughs> this, this is where the sporting element of professional wrestling comes into it. If an AFL player is, is in full forward, getting paid good money, and he kicks nothing but points, they're going to keep him next season. Is Poor he going to get dropped? Is he gonna... <laughs> Leave them alone. They're already dead. <laughs> I, I, I never doubted Craig McRae for a second. I never said I wanted Michael Boss to uh, coach Collingwood, by the way, but no, no. <laughs> <laughs> um no but like seriously when you look at it from the point of view of if you're if you're not performing the way that you're supposed to be performing it's not really a situation it's not a nice way of saying it you you can be replaced in terms of there are other people that can come in and literally do your job and um unfortunately like look if something isn't hitting yes changes need to be made but if the performers aren't hitting the performers may not get booked 
you know, so so there's no guarantees. That's the one guarantee in wrestling that there is no guarantees. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's true though, because if they switch positions and then the heel becomes the babyface and gets cheered, and the babyface becomes the heel and gets booed, they've both still got a job doing those reverse roles. You need forward, to be very so. flexible, you know, and it brings up uh, uh, there's a point that I want to make about this about new people actually, and we'll talk about it in a minute. Um, but change it, like, and you need to be good enough that you can change in that moment, but also. As a as a promoter, if you if you change it and it works and the crowd responds and you get backstage, I'm not, and and I yell at you, I'm an idiot. Like if it worked, it worked. You know what I mean? Um, so to me, it's again that's that that would be an ego issue on the promoter's behalf rather than actually listening and understanding what what's going on in in the moment and wrestling. You know, yeah, I mean? forecast. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So just uh, sometimes things work and sometimes they don't. It's how you deal with that on the fly. Um, whether it's a promoter or not. And you, the cool thing about wrestling is no one knows what you're going to do. You can change it. And we've done that many times. And that, that would have, and PC, I know PCW has done that many times. On the fly, you have an idea, you go and do it. For whatever reason, that doesn't work, whether you your conception of that as, a, as the promoter is completely off base, the talent you put in front to do it doesn't actually execute because that happens as well. Um, they don't, they don't understand it or it doesn't fit or they just don't execute it and you've got to change. So you just adapt. Sometimes there's no real, you can't really go and blame anyone per se, but you, you have to change. And sometimes, like Tricky said, that might mean changing the performer. Sometimes it might mean that, absolutely. Um, and that's just the business because at the end of the day, we're all working towards the meta of this, which is to, to entertain the audience um, and we're all subservient to that. We're all sub so all of us can be replaced because that's the meta. That's the meta, and we all have to understand that. And if you do it that way, your ego is easily in check because you're always pointing towards that north star of you know let's what's the industry need, what's the promotion need, what's the match need, what's all these things need, and then me. You know, like I'm at the bottom here. You know, um, and then that's 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 the thing that that's that's how so, how you sort of place it, I guess. Um, and I think a good, yeah. like, like essentially what a booker is, is a coach, right? That's, that's what a booker is. Yeah. They're, they're, they're a coach. They they'll have side selection and all that kind of stuff, how their players want to get used. Um, but I, I think the important thing as well, they should be able to forecast what's going to happen. So a good coach would be able to sit there and go, I've got a feeling if I use this player that way, this outcome will happen. So we have to manage that. We have to, you know, work to the strengths, hide the weaknesses, the old, Paul Heyman, you know, quote, you know, essentiate essentu the positives, hide the negatives and, um, and move forward from there. And that's what a good coach will do. Uh, and that's, and that's like sort of part of our role as well, getting you to a point where you have strengths and the weaknesses that exist, uh, you, the audience hopefully won't see them because we'll know how to work around them because, Hey, look, I'm look, I, I can do the, this, the thing I can do the flying stuff, right? I choose not to because other people can do it better than me. And if I put myself on the top rope, I have that little voice that comes in my head that says, you're going to fall. And now if I've got any doubt in my head and I'm going to be doing a backflip or anything like that, and it's not about me right now, it's about someone I'm landing on, then I need to put my check my own ego and say, this isn't about you right now. This is about putting on a performance that you can do, right? So guess what? That might not be something I choose to do. But then if, if I hit something that I can, for example, I'm, I'm pretty good at chain. I'm pretty good all around a middleweight and saying that I know how to do things other people can't. We were talking about like earlier, something wearing the different hats, 
Royce Chambers, he, he was one of the really good flyers who came up through PCW and MCW. Um, he used to come up to me afterwards. He said, hey, do you have any feedback on my match? And I said, I come on, man, you should have told me this before. And he's like, what do you mean? If you wanted me to watch your match and give you feedback, then I have to watch it. And I'm not saying I have to hate your match, but if I see a Royce Chambers match, I want to see flips. I want to see chaos. I'm not looking for a great story. I want to see, I want to see a car crash. That's what I want to see. That's a fan. I have the ability to be a fan as well. But if, but if you want me to break down all the ins and outs of, you know, did you tick this box? Can that be improved? I have to watch it from a different point of view. And that's what I've been able to successfully do throughout my life. And it got easier with time understanding that I'm playing the role of a fan right now, or I'm playing the role of a coach right now. So that's something that also I, I, I do as well. As a wrestler, you need to do that. As a, as a would-be wrestler, you know, it's very hard to, to make that transition because you come in as a fan and sometimes I hear people talking, you know, when, when you're coaching, you sort of go, well, you, you kind of need to forget about that because you're, you're now in the business and you're working and you need to learn how to separate the two. And that can be very challenging for people, you know. And, and I guess where, what I wanted to say before, because I thought it was a really good point, is when we're talking about, um, you know, I guess people, you know, wearing different hats, uh, I think it comes along with the talent as well. And I, besides this, this fan point, and, we talk, and I talked about experience, good experience, bad experience. What I find a lot is people come in with dreams and it's a very specific dream. Like, I want to be the next Undertaker. My ver like that's what they come in with, right? If you want to be successful in this business, you need and, and you want to be picked for a spot, you need to be as versatile as possible. So what I focus on, I don't know, Shane is is the same or tricky is the same, is we we talk about you need to learn how to be a heel, you need to learn how to be a babyface, you need to learn how to do this, you need to learn how to do that. Because if you when you first start, and I had this conversation last night at our at you know the one of our, the, the last session that I did at our epping site and i said to them there's a there's a there's a thing that goes around or wrestling in general it's know your worth everyone talks about this know your worth thing okay if you're new and you've just come into business what are you worth and they all turned and looked at me and they're trying to figure it out and they're like not a lot i said yeah that's okay how can you be worth more what does a promoter want figure out what the promoter wants what do they need watch their show understand who they're pushing See the gap, find the gap, fill the gap. If you want to be a heel that does this, that does that, and that's your character, well, wait for the gap, and you could be waiting for 10 years for that gap. If you if you see the gap and you can fill it and you can go there and you can pitch that and say, hey, I want to help you. I'm interested in your business. I'm interested in what you're doing. I've seen this. I want to help. I want to develop. I want to get my foot in the door. I don't have anything to offer, but to help. That's, a, that, that's how you get in, and I don't think there's enough of that. A lot of it that I get as a particular on my end is here's a video of my highlights, watch it. And I don't watch it because yeah. I, I can't, I don't have time. What I So I'm trying to help people with like, this is the thing as well, because we have this exposure to the, this side of the business, both of us. We can say, this is what I get. I'm telling you how to be successful. Go and watch their show, be interested in their product to, and, and tell them and show them that you want to help. And that's how you build your worth. That's how you build your work because then you become valuable because you're 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 an asset. You're something that can come in and slot in. You get your foot in the door. You do a good job in that slot, and then someone goes, "Man, we've got this thing we want to do." Blah blah blah. What about that guy? Remember he did that thing for us. 
you know, bang, you're in, you're in like that. It's very rare that we, and the, the reality is that we don't have any Kurt Angles. We don't have any, you know, the closest we had in the whole Australia to me that I've ever seen is, is Demi Bennett, is Rhea Ripley. The only person I've ever seen firsthand live, watched them and gone, oh my God, was when I first oh, saw yes. her. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the only, but she still ain't no Kurt Angle. Like the, the chances of you stepping in through that door and getting like instant is, is, is very rare. So to build, building your worth is important and understanding that when someone says know your worth and everyone goes, oh yeah, I'm worth so much because that's kind of what you put in your head. Understand sometimes you're not worth nothing, but you can build that worth. You can under, you can build that worth. Someone who'd be a really good example of what you're talking about for me um, would be someone like Emin the Kid who yep. came to Australia and he didn't know anybody and he was starting again. Um, he's worked for PCW, he's worked for MCW, he's worked for Renegades and he's playing a different character in every place that he's working. He'd be a great person for young wrestlers to look at and say, that's a guy who's finding a gap and he can be, he's a, he can be a main event player in many different roles. He's trying to figure it out too. You know, he's trying to figure out what's as well. Um, Like uh, Jay would know this one very well. When, when a trainee is doing really well, you know, if they're doing really well at training, but they're just, they're they're just, just not there. They're missing something. They know it. I know it. We're working on it. We just can't seem to crack. They come up to you and they go, hey, look, you know, what do I need to do? Is there something more? And you can go, yeah, you know, go to the gym, get nice. You can try and fill in all this. But the bottom line question I always ask is, what's happening on our shows? I say, are you watching our shows? And they turn around, oh, you know, I haven't been able to be down to the last few shows because, you know, I've had, uh, you know, friend's uh, birthday. And, you know, there's so many things way more important than actually coming down and doing the study. When people say study wrestling, that's what we, we as coaches are talking about. Learn the product. Like, learn the product you are you are training for. Because if you can learn the product you are training for, you can kind of pick those gaps that Jay was talking about. Like, what can you do on the show that isn't being done? Because everybody is an individual. Everybody has their own characteristics that can get over, right? So if you can watch a show and you can go, they don't have this type of a character on the show. Maybe that's something that you can lean into if it invites you. And then you go, oh, I might play with that. And then, you know, if, if it works on, for example, for us, the slam shows, it's like, hey, that's working. We can you know, bring that up onto Ignition. You know, and as a coach, I'll put in the word, uh, you know, check out this piece of footage that they've done. And it, it that's how you can grow by learning the actual product. But um, it is funny, though, because people will be quick to shoot down a, a, an idea. For example, it's it's crazy this, but as a coach, you know, we'll have an idea for somebody. We'll say, hey, here's an idea for you. And they'll be quick to shoot it down, but they won't have an alternative. Mm. That's a problem. Because if somebody has thought of something for you, right, they're thinking you they're thinking of you. They're caring for you. They've got an idea, even as ridiculous as it would be, they think that this would work for you to get you over. And it's about getting your foot in the door, first of all, and then kicking the door open. Because just because you come in with a certain persona or character doesn't mean that's a lifelong thing. Um, It's dependent on you being an interesting personality. Um, To to just go to a personal experience of mine that I learned, bring Rip up again, we got pulled into Rip's office. This is Daniel Swagger and myself. And he sat us down after we'd been training there for a few weeks. And he said, all right, guys, I think it's about time we start talking about uh, ideas for you guys. All right. So I've got, I've got characters for you. You're going to be Jay. You're going to be Arthur. You're going to be Jay and Arthur Rank, the Rank brothers. 
We took it. Why? Because it sounds like wank. You're the wankers. You're the wanker brothers. This is going to be great. And we turn around, we look at Rip and we say, Rip, we're not here to offend you by any means, but with all due respect, I'm the center of attention, Tricky D. This is the golden child, Daniel Swagger. We are the touch of class. Um, We've got that on our wrestling gear as well. That would be kind of hard to change. And we don't really like this idea. And Rip turns around, he goes, you're saying no to me? And we go, well, we're not saying yes. And he turned around, he goes, that's really good. I don't know why you need me for, what are you doing Wednesday night? Uh, Well, coming to the show to, to watch the show. You're in the main event, done. All right. We walk out of the office. Now, Jeremy, who I end up living with, he turns around, he's having a giggle. He's like, how'd that go? Yeah, good. What do you mean? You, you guys got different names? No, Tricky and Swagger. Oh, oh okay. Oh, and we're in the, the main event on Wednesday. Oh, what? So it was this rib, right? It was this rib that was going to happen. But because we turned around and we said with confidence, we, we have characters that we, we believe will get over on your show. We actually have a resume, you know, that we can explain through our confidence that this will work. He was so impressed with that. He actually put us on um, the show in the main event against the tag champions. And that was awesome because we didn't see that coming, but that was being educated through people yeah. like Jungle Cat and Skyhawk who, who said to us, look, it's not about, and this is where it's about passing on that knowledge as well, because that was a good learning experience for us to realize. It's not about saying no. It's about saying we have something else that you might like more. And if that essential pitch is accepted on the other end, we all win. And if that gets over, we win even more. Otherwise, it's, you know, option A. <laughs> yeah, it's about picking your battles as well. You knew that was the right yeah. time to speak up. Yeah, and with all due respect, you know, we, we had experience as well. We had experience, we had mm. confidence. And if you want to take someone's confidence away, don't listen to them. You know, don't listen to them. Tell them no. Say you're not good enough. But if they've got an idea and it's reasonable, okay, let's work together. Let's make it happen. But otherwise, we can go back to the drawing board afterwards, but let's give it a crack. Um, is, um, touch, sorry, touching on earlier with, um, you know, talking about workers having a dream and what they want to be when they walk in the door and stuff. What's the balancing act of what a worker wants to do compared to what a promoter actually needs them or wants them to do? Like, you know, if a guy comes in, you know, and it's a family-friendly show, but he's like, I work strong style and that, and it's like, these kids aren't going to get it. What are you talking about? Like, what's that balancing act of finding that middle ground with with a with a talent slash promoter? It's probably more for you, Jay. This one. Yeah, I can answer that question. Look, I think that people, and it's it's a hard, it's not a hard conversation to have. It's it's a very enlightening conversation to have with young younger talent, especially you know, and it, you know, a lot of people are like, why don't I make it? Why don't I get picked? And it kind of goes along the lines of what you're alluding to here. Well, you know, is it me? You know, I've had a, I've got a lot of friends that have gone WWE. I've had a lot of people get rejected that I know by different companies, and you know, tragedies like the Ring of Honor thing, where you know, like, so I've I've, I've experienced this very, with very close people that I'm aware of, you know, um, or or close to. But I guess what I'm I'm sort of going to here is that it's as a promoter, um, it's all about slots and it's all about what you're building. Uh, you know, as a collective, and sometimes, and this is quite, kind of linked to the thing I said before. If if you don't bring to the, if you're not willing to bring to the table something that's going to fit in that picture, then you're not going to be used. And that's not personal, and it's not like 
um, uh, you know, someone they don't want girls or guys or whatever, whatever you identify. It's not about that. It's about what what works for the show and what's going to fit in the grand scheme of things, which the promoter does set um, with with the people who have stake in the company, whether that's a business owner or or a board or whatever that might be. Um, and and it, literally, it comes down to that. So if you make yourself more versatile. And that's what we try and teach. And I know that that's something that we just talked about. Then you have more options to fit into that mold. WWE is exactly the same. You know, they that if they need X, they'll go and find X and get X and put it in. That's what they will do. It's got nothing to do a lot of the time with the person unless they are an exceptional talent. And that word exceptional talent, this is where you need to know your worth because you need to understand that there ain't that many exceptional talents in the world. Um, because there's a lot of good and a lot of great, but exceptional, that's different. So to manage that, it's about having the conversation with the person and trying to show them and teach them that, you know, this, the idea that they might have is great and they and and, and it might work for you. And we can we can either tease it out and show you where it's not going to work and prove that it's not going to work here and it's going to work there. But it's it limits your, your opportunity, you know, and that's what I try and show them. It, you can have that idea. And one day if you get the opportunity um, to get your foot in the door and you get any work through that cycle, you might get the opportunity to be that person or live out that thing because there's trust, there's credibility, there's fortitude that you've built up, you know, you've, you, you've with, with not just with the business, but with the scene and the other workers and the talent, you know, because that's a part of this. It's a, it's a culture, you know, like any other business that you might go to work in, you're not going to work it, walk in and be the world champion straight away. You know, I, I think that, I try and teach them that there's a pathway and that try and be more versatile so that you have, you can have the opportunities that you want and then you'll be able to live out whatever that segment of a dream. But the cool part about it is usually when someone gets to the point where they get to be that character, they have changed so much their idea of what they want to be. They end up being something completely different anyway. So I think it's about showing them that, 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 that there's a path that's a bit more realistic um, and rewarding. I don't know if that answers because it's a very long-winded answer. Well, but that, yeah, from, oh, from a coaching point of view, I guess from like my, my coaching point of view, if someone comes in and says, look, I want to be a strong style type type wrestler, for example. Well, what we offer at our, our classes at the Wrestling Academy, Monday to Thursday, 7 till 9, we've got striking, grappling moves, and we do a match night. Uh, fortnightly, we do a slam show. So we actually, we actually have live event training, which from my understanding is unprecedented. No one else offers that so that's what the slam shows mm -hmm. are it's live event training like your match one this is what's expected of you your main event this is what's expected of you so it's when someone comes in i want them to not be a style i want them to be well-rounded because guess what as australians we are privileged we are privileged because we are influenced by the entire world my playlist will go from metallica to bts to anything else you know because i love all kinds of music i love all ranges of music the same way i love all ranges of professional wrestling and something that has happened over the years which i don't think i think people are starting to sort of see it a bit more jericho speaks a bit about it as well is we're in a what i would call a hybrid era where i think styles are kind of disappearing and people are becoming more well-rounded when jay and i started and I also think this is privilege when we started. We were kind of the generation that went from the old school to the new school. I grew up with MySpace, became Facebook, went from 56K modem to cable to NBN. 
kids that are growing up today don't know what it was like pre-internet. We do. We also understand what it was like when, when I grew up, there wasn't the experience of, of even just being able to jump on YouTube and see someone do an interview last week about their match or podcast or anything like that. It was, we heard that Austin Young, who came down the training last night, he did some time in Calgary in the heart dungeon and he got the train of and heart. And so we're like, oh, cool. Next time we see Austin, let's ask him all about that and, and see what knowledge we could get. Now, as people start to, as technology gets better, you bring in stuff like Expedia. It's so much easier to book flights. Everything's all a fingertip away. People start to travel. I was part of that first group that started to travel and get the worldly experience and start to bring it home. And then I actually, I actually gained a passion of rather than going overseas to wrestle, I'd go overseas and attend seminars. I love going to WrestleMania weekend because everyone's in town, right? And you get to, you get to see everyone. Right. And, and so it's constant seminars and it's, it's, it's learning, bring it home, learning, bring it home. Like, and so with, um, with the style of wrestling, you used to have, you know, Japanese were known for the strong style. Mexico's got Lucha Libre. America's kind of got the TV, that, that kind of character esque. Australia was actually known as kind of like a bit very rough. We were very rough individuals, but you know, England has got their, their grappling and, and really quality chain, but as it's evolved and guys travel all around the world now, wrestling's starting to look the same. You can watch a New Japan show and you can watch an AEW show and it's not too different. In fact, they're doing their own show. Then you look at WWE and it's so well polished. Everything they do in WWE is so well polished because of the development system. But then you see a guy like Ricochet, he's come up through that whole New Japan, um, Ring of Honor, or pre that sort of Dragon Gate, etc. So, so the actual independent style, to me, that's just not going to fly. If you're a strong style wrestler, you need to know how to be well-rounded. You need your grappling. You need to know your moves. You need to know how to put it together. Um, and striking itself, I know from, from experience, when I run striking classes, really good strikers get exposed very quickly for not being very good strikers, especially when you throw as many rounds as I do <laughs> so um, you you actually start to see people improve very quickly then around the board you get a more well-polished wrestler who can handle everything relatively well instead of being a specialist in one area but that's not to negate people in Mexico don't still do Lucha Libre you know or, or you know New Japan don't do Strong Soul that still exists but when you get to that top tier you got to be very well-rounded to like what Jay said, not just be good, not just be great, but be exceptional. Know your market, you know, like at that's the end of the day. Yeah, that's what you're saying at the end, you know, know your market because Australian market, despite what anyone thinks, you know, is still a very US-based wrestling market, you know. So you can inf- you can have influences and you can expose people to the other side and change people's perspective on wrestling, which is happening. It's hybrid. You're absolutely right. Kind of like UFC, how that's developed over the years, you know. Um, but still, you've got to you've got to wrestle a fairly Western style for the audience to actually get what you're doing, and that's and so to bring elements in, it still has to have that Western core. But then, if you so if you if someone comes in and says, "I want to be a strong style," then you can go, "Okay, well, you're going to limit your ability to wrestle in the main event." You just are. You're not a main event wrestler. You won't be a main event wrestler because that's not what they want. They want elements of that, but not just pure strong style. You know what I mean? 
Uh, so think about how that affects, again, any of these, any of these caveats, any of these labels limit what you can achieve. So I think being like what, what Tricky said about being blank is so important, but not, but not only that, stay kind of blank so that you're not conforming to any, anything and you're able to sort of develop and do anything based off what the audience needs, wants, and, and, and can digest. And then you will be successful wherever you go. You'll get over, you'll stay over, you know what I mean? Because you'll be able to make those changes and flip and go in directions. And I guess that's what I would say to somebody that, you know, if you want to limit where you go and you want to just be this person and that's and you're comfortable doing that, no problem. No problem at all. But if you want to be the best you can be and go further and go as far as you can, it ain't going to work. And just one quick one on an example I can give you is Lucas Daniels, right? So Lucas Daniels came into PCW, former yeah. world kickboxing champion, powerlifter, and a cyclist. Uh, he, um, it, but he came in and he was he was a dude. And he, do you guys know the giant coyote in Queensland? Yeah. Okay. He, he gave him an F five, flawlessly, right? That's how strong Lucas Daniels is, right? Now when he came in, we were going, okay, we got to destroy here, and and he and as he started to progress, he's like oh man, I, I kind of want to have like more competitive matches, but when he's so huge it, it and realistically he outpowers the 90%, 99% of people he wrestles, um, he started to get himself and go, no, I'm going to get myself in more wrestling shape, more physique, more moving. So he became super agile. He started moving around and him and Mark Cage had a 60 minute Ironman match, which is toe to toe, one of the best Ironman. MJF goes on about having the greatest Ironman match. Go watch <laughs> Mark Cage and Lucas Daniels from PCW. Thank you very much, uh, Maxwell. Uh, because yeah, no, seriously, that feeling that night of when these guys put it together, it wasn't 60 minutes. It was two guys showcasing their hard work through training, dedication, like constant racking their brain to be, how can we do this to just like be our best selves? That's what keeps me going. Jay Andrew said earlier, when, you, when you're a coach and you start seeing someone starting to get it and arguably getting better than you, I actually love that feeling because it's like, good, that's what I need. I need something to chase. If I don't have that something to chase and I'm at the mountaintop, what's the point of being here by myself? I need others around me to help push me. That's what keeps me fresh as a wrestler as well. And then I love it when they turn around. I've got this respect for them and they turn around and go, oh man, how do you keep doing that? And I'm like, that's the ultimate compliment. Yes. You know? I just want to wish something into the world. I really want to see Gore versus Lucas Daniels somewhere sometime. <laughs> but um, uh. What like uh talking back to the academy? Um, it's a real like people from interstate don't understand what the venue is actually like and what it looks like. And I know that you're planning on um introducing a sort of an excellence experience, sort of a sort of a um talk to us Program. about the excellence experience yeah 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 so essentially look i mean now i mentioned earlier about the davis arena right which essentially was a studio setup you had grandstand seating you had a backstage for the wrestlers well essentially if you look at the davis arena it's like that but larger because we've also got the host to the two other live setup rings at the the wrestling academy and the, it was, so we're fully set up for shows. Like right now, this minute, actually, it's funny, right after I finish this, I've got to go to training <laughs> and it's really late, but um, yeah, I'm going to go down there and do some stuff anyway. Um, so it never ends. But when we run a show, um, we can just turn it on like that. Like right now we could go to the venue and be like, all right, make a call. We're going to run a wrestling show 
and stream it. We can do that now. Like what Jay said, nothing worse than having to pull down, pack up, bump in, bump out. It's it's so difficult to perfect your show. So when you have these kinds of like resources available, we don't just want it available in the state. We want people within you know the nation to have the opportunity to come and train at PCW. Um, if they're in the right position to wrestle on slam shows and 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 work with us. So that's actually a program we're working on at the moment. It's only in the early stages, but it is something we're going to be introducing where we can put together a program where we will house guys as well and feed them mm. and you know, put together a full program, which is it's early days, but it's, it's going to be very exciting. And I think it's a good way to not only network, but also expose our, our venue to, to the nation. Well, it sounds Life. amazing. It does sound amazing. Um, congratulations on putting it together because um, I do think that we we are spoilt in Melbourne and I think this is going to be uh, an amazing uh, place for people to go um, from their infancy as a wrestler right through to finishing school. Um, you think of some of the names who've gone through both of your promotions and, I mean, currently they're on TV wrestling. So... Um, <laughs> We just had Nick Aldis well. come through and do a seminar, right? This was probably only, I don't know, three months ago, just roughly, right? And uh, I, I actually have a lot of respect for Nick Aldis, but I've never really met him before. But I had an idea in my head as to the type of guy he would be. I expected him to show up, present himself very neatly, um, be very, almost have a judgmental eye, look around and, 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 and kind of like suss out the situation and then speak uh, very well. He not only ticked all those boxes, but he ran an excellent seminar where what he liked to describe it as he thought, I'm going to call this finishing class because you guys are in a position where you're actually very well-rounded. So let's let's tidy up some of your stuff and get my opinion from, from a world-class point of view. And we shook hands. We said, thank you so much. Um, I think I, I said to him something lame, like, oh, mate, you've made me my heart warm. I don't know where that came from. But, you know, it's one of those comments, like when he complimented me, I'm like, oh, that was a rough one. Anyway, um, uh, afterwards he went on his social media and he wrote some very nice things about us having a world-class facility. Um, and this is a guy who's traveled the world. Um, he, I know he's the current champion of dungeon wrestling in Calgary because Chris Knight, cutthroat Chris Knight is there at the moment. He's one of the guys who I um, helped coach. I thought I like to claim people, but he's one of the guys who he did recently reach out to me and say, you know, thanks. And um, it, it's, it's, it's really exciting when you see guys, move on and, and just so for the record chris knight he started at pcw he ended up moving to calgary he started the family there and he lives full-time in calgary now um so that's one of those nice situations he started as a, a kid from oakley who now lives in calgary alberta canada very cool all right so last question you're a young kid in melbourne you want to learn how to wrestle how do they get in contact you can go to the wrestling academy .com.au or alternative learn to wrestle.com.au. Um, I'm sure you can find uh, Jay Andrews on social media. I'll give you a, a minute. I'm on Ooh, uh, maybe Instagram. Not. <laughs> <laughs> you can, it's at the wrestling Academy. Yeah, right. well, that's, yeah. well, that's that's one way. That's the only way. Yeah, that's right. And um, yeah. I, I, I'm at Pro Wrestling Coach uh, on, on Instagram. I, I put together not something that is particularly built for clickbait. It's built for people who train and want to become better at wrestling. I put little, little blogs in there and things like that as well so people can grow. And it's a nice little community I've got of people I've met 
through as well. So that's been very rewarding. But um, yeah, uh, the Wrestling Academy, uh, how essentially just very briefly, um, we start off everybody with introduction classes. They cost $100. There's two classes. This is where we would teach you the fundamental roles and breakfalls and running the ropes. Nothing too high intensity will literally introduce you to how wrestling works, have the conversations with you, any questions you might have. I'm commonly asked the question, am I fit enough to do this? Or, you know, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm lacking confidence. Do introduction classes. You don't have to commit to signing up to anything. Mm-hmm. Do the introduction classes. We'll get to know you. And then you'll decide for yourself if this is something you want to do. Because I know myself, when I walked in the PCW in, in 2001 and I saw a bright yellow ring at the Roeville Community Centre, I went, this is the greatest place I've ever been to in my life. How do I become part of this? And I never looked back. That's my favourite part of an introduction class when I get to see somebody for the first time step up on a ring and grab the rope. You'd be surprised how many people, their eyes just light up and they like can't believe that they're touching a wrestling ring. And for someone that's, you know, been in the business for a long time, it's actually my, it's actually something that I look forward to when, when you do those types of classes because you see, you remember what you were like when you first touched a ring or saw a ring. And the almost it's almost like watching them fall in love. <laughs> um, yeah. And you just hope, it really is, and, and you just hope that that love lasts or it's strong enough to keep them in the business because, uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, from there on out, it's, it's work. And, um, and, and yeah, it's, it, it's battering of the body and battering of the mind. But because anything worth doing is hard, once you go through all that, the rewards are so, are so, are so, so great. But, yeah, as, as Tricky said, um, the Wrestling Academy website, get in contact. I've, I'll speak for myself here, but I know Tricky feels the same. I really believe in this pathway. It's an unprecedented pathway. No, no one's put this together. We, we've worked really hard. We, we actually didn't even work that hard to work together. We just got together and it was just easy. <laughs> you know? well, we've we've so, known each other, like I said, yeah, since yeah. 2001. So yeah. it's really just the sake of going, hey, man, how are you going? What are you up yeah, to yeah. these days? <laughs> what, are you doing? what do you want to do? What challenges are you having? What do you think is going to work? You know, I have the same challenges. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Let's yeah. work together. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So so I really, be- I really believe in this pathway. Um, I think it's got everything that someone would need um to be successful in this business the only thing the only thing that the only variable is you so if you do come to us make sure you're ready to work and learn and absorb and understand that anything worth doing like i said is difficult but you will reap benefits that uh, that will teach you how to be a better person let alone a better wrestler it will create discipline um and and lots of other things that will be balanced out by the moment that you get to step in front of a crowd and get the biggest dopamine hit you've ever had in your life and get hooked um, by by the pro wrestling bug. Beautiful. Look, it's a, it's a really good opportunity for everybody. And I'd like to thank both of you for joining us and talking about it uh, on the turnbuckle. Thanks, right. Thanks, for, thanks, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Well, Lyle, that was actually, I could have listened and spoken to those guys, I reckon three, four hours comfortably. I uh, Easily. I'm I'm taking it in as just a wrestling fan, and I could have listened to it. Like imagine a budding trainee or someone that's just on the fence about going to a class, hearing the passion from Shane, Tricky, and, and Jay. Like, why wouldn't you sign up? Like, it's yeah. If you're on the fence, and if this doesn't swing you both ways, maybe you don't want to be a professional wrestler. The the passion for the business, I, I feel, is infectious. Um, and everything is state of the art. You're gonna you're gonna get 
top line trained. Um, this is this is great. I'm glad we, we live are in blessed. Melbourne. We're blessed in Melbourne. Um, there's literally, if you want to be a wrestler, there's no excuse if you live in Melbourne not to be properly trained. We've got three incredible schools here. And I know the other states are lucky enough to have some incredible schools as well. But I know in Melbourne, we've got some really good ones. And this one sounds like, um, it sounds like they're going to, they've got some really big plans and I'm interested to see what comes out of it. Yeah. Oh, you know, first opportunity will be down there. So we'll, we'll be reporting more. That's if they let us in the door. Ah, well, Tony Tony did teach a class there once. So, and, and they still came back on the podcast. So he must've done okay. They keep saying he was good. We all know that's not true. Where is he? He said he would be here. Um, no, he's probably eating somewhere. He's probably there eating now. What upcoming shows have we got? Upcoming shows. So, yeah, we're going to go in the two-block radius because we're a bit uh, sporadic with our um, our shows at the minute. Uh, yo. Actually, before we do, hey, do you see that um, Ballroom Brawl sold out? Yeah. What, and that, when is that? Is it? July eighth or something like it's, yeah, July it's a month away, and and, and it's sold out. That's I've that's heard amazing. that there's two more tickets. Two more. There's Where? two more tickets. Yeah, well, you're not. You're not a scalper, are you? Nah, but we're, selling... we're gonna we're gonna give them away. <laughs> Last two tickets, we, the ballroom we brawl. We should have spoken this off. We could have made money here, and we're gonna give them away. We're gonna give them away. So they're the hottest tickets next, in town. Our next episode, which will be in two weeks. We just added from Ballroom Brawl. We're going to give away the last two tickets to Ballroom Brawl. Well, there you go. We'll, uh... the super, it's got the super sold out sign up. <laughs> super no we vacancy. Literally, literally have the last the last two tickets. Uh, I don't, I, we could have sold them. Could, no, no, we'll, we'll, we'll do it. No, we'll give them away. We'll give them away. Right, we're good. We're good blokes. We don't like need that. money. We're straight nah. to fine. Ah, oh, that's it. We get money from Spotify. Well, Tony must. Have you well, noticed there's gambling ads before our show? Listen. I encourage I, everyone not to click on whoever's sponsoring this show. Yeah, gamble re- gamble do responsibly. Not, whatever gambling not, company have their ad before our show, do not support them. Yeah. I'm not a gambler per se, but if you are, gamble responsibly. We are not seeing a red cent from these. I didn't even... Like, yeah, I'm not that vain that I'm going to listen to our shows back. Um, maybe I should so we could better ourselves, but I don't want to hear Fuck my that. own Let's voice. Stay terrible. Yeah, that's it. We're uh, fight the good fight. But it has been mentioned to us a few times. <laughs> What's with the gambling ads on your uh, podcast? Well, so that was news to us. About this. Uh, look, it's probably in one of his uh, email accounts. That, you know, he's, he's making off lost. like a bandit. Uh, you know, it's... Going into someone's bank account. Next show, we'll question him on this. Yeah, that's right. Well, we and he won't be prepared because he won't have listened. No, he'll edit the show, not listen. He's great at that. Hmm. Uh, all right, we'll, well get no editing coming. required because he's not here. <laughs> uh, we got upcoming shows this uh, Saturday night, uh, June tenth. Uh, Pro Wrestling South Australia. They got Super Slam at the Cardinga Sports Center. Cardinga. Kadinga. See, Tony would be great at reading these. Uh, Wide Bay, they got Roll the Dice at the Brogla Theatre. Good on Wide Bay. Did Todd have he his match yet? He did. He had it last week. He still hasn't recovered. It was his birthday today, so happy birthday, Todd. 
Oh, did he uh, hope he re- hope he recovered? Like I have, he's been very quiet on social media. He yeah, might... I think he's. I think uh, Istria may have stretched the shit out of him. Well, he probably had it coming, knowing Todd. I think Definitely he had, it had it coming. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> War up in Queensland. They got Mortal Kombat two in Rockhampton. PCW Mortal Kombat English. two. Yeah, Mortal Kombat two. So Scorpion in that? Nah, no, Sub Zero. Uh, Scorpion didn't make it out of Mortal Kombat one. Uh, PCW in Furniture Gully Ignition. Okay, uh, IW, you mentioned that. Yeah. IWA Suplex on the Sand number four. That's at the uh, Pitwater RSL. PWA have an academy show uh, showcase at uh, Ingleburn. Good on them. Ingleburn Hunkle Dick. Yep. Uh, following week, it's uh, June the 17th. EPW Evolution. Big show. It's evolution, baby. It is evolution. Uh, Michael Nichols is going to uh, he's going to bash a radio host. Good. Yeah. Never met a radio person I like. Nah, Tony included. That's who I was mostly getting at. Yeah, he's been on numerous radios. I've only uh, been on the... CB radio <laughs> at a truck stop. Uh, at that's at the Williton Stadium. Uh, <laughs> it's a Stadium show that's good. Uh, Wrestle Rampage, they are presenting Fearless at Crossgrove Hall. Uh, Riot City Wrestling, soon they branded all their Riot City Wrestling uh stuff to red now, they've gone away from the green stuff. That's interesting. Uh, Dead to Rights, that's in Kilkenny. They've also uh, got um, they've got a new now, streaming, you watch it. yeah. The, yeah, the new streaming. yeah, their vault, uh, good. The only vault I remember is the nightclub in Werribee where I used to run a muck on a Saturday night. Really? I don't remember it at all. I barely do, but I was there. Yeah. Uh, QWA uh, dominance in uh, Deer Gun. Uh, TCW, Jokers Wild at the Alphen Sports Centre. Mayhem Pro presents Sin. More WCW. Well, you'll be at this. Sorry? You'll be at that. Yeah, I'll be at that. I'll probably... Uh, nah. Oh, no, I won't be. I'll be in Queensland. Yeah, sorry about that. I did ask Todd if they had a wide base show when I'd be in Queensland. No, they got week. it this week. Yeah, just missed it. Uh, Backus, Backus Marshall, Miami, they do, they're doing great stuff at the minute. Uh, All-Star Wrestling, they got a night to remember at Padstow. And Ultimo Guerrero will be there, I think. Awesome. Ultimo Dragon, maybe. I don't know. Uh, anyway, that's what's coming up in wrestling. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in a couple of weeks and we'll be giving away those ballroom brawl tickets. For now, it's a very goodbye.